Today on the first of two crossovers between Locked On Rockies and Locked On Diamondbacks, we look back at the most recent series, ask if Walker, Texas Rangers, what we're going to call him, more like Rockies killer, does this to all teams, and if the Diamondbacks have enough time to get back on track. You are Locked On Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans and Diamondback fans, welcome into a special crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find your team every day. If your team is the Colorado Rockies or the Arizona Diamondbacks, you are in the right spot because two of the best in the biz bringing you your daily baseball chat i got your rockies coverage here on the locked on rockies podcast paul holden and i'm joined by the one the only the graphic designer superstar the man with more crossovers than anybody in the league a league leader when it comes to talking baseball miller thomas joins us here to break down this series millard how are you I'm doing good, sir. I, I like that little intro. I haven't heard that one before. King of the crossover. Uh, <laughs> probably more in podcast than on the basketball court, unfortunately. Not the greatest basketball player. Uh, but uh, yeah, try to be the king of the crossover on the podcast as much as I can. I was benched my freshman year of uh, high school and uh, didn't get any playing time. That was the sign for me that basketball, uh, not for me anymore, but baseball and talking baseball that's what we do around here you can find us free and streaming on your favorite streaming service locked on rockies and locked on diamondbacks on youtube your subscription there massive help to the show you can also find us on sirius xm and the sirius xm app alongside your play-by-play coverage of both teams hey today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. this episode of locked on rockies and locked on diamondbacks brought to you by FanDuel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. Let's get started breaking things down. And I was pretty low energy in my podcast yesterday, Millard, after breaking down this series. I felt the Rockies had an opportunity to sweep this series. It was mm-hmm. classic Diamondbacks, Rockies, classic cores. Uh, but I wanted to start with the simple question. Is Christian Walker this legit or does he just dominate Rockies pitching? And is this a, a power resurgence that can help this D-backs team get back on track a little bit? I mean, I hope the power resurgence can help this D-backs team because um, from a power standpoint, this D-backs team it is not their strength. Uh, to hit home runs. They're definitely not one of the the power-smashing teams in Major League Baseball. So a guy like Christian Walker really carries the offense from a long ball perspective. But, yeah, we we talk about Christian Walker. He's obviously crushed the Colorado Rockies this season. I have, like, some of his splits, like, pulled up here, and it's, like, insane what he's done against the Rockies in 2023 because just this season against the Colorado Rockies, Christian Walker, his splits, where did I just have it? Uh, right here. He's batting 371 with a 1236 OPS, and that's not counting the two home runs he had in today's game in the finale because um, Baseball Reference hasn't updated yet. So he loves playing in Colorado, too. His numbers there are insane. But Christian Walker also, just the last couple years, I mean, he was a near 40 home run guy last season with over 800 OPS. This season, I mean, if you actually look at his numbers in the second half, he has gotten better post-All-Star break this year. He's going to be on pace for another season where he probably finishes with 30-plus home runs. And you even throw in that 2019 season, like Christian Walker now for like his D-backs tenure, like Paul Goldschmidt gets traded in 2018. Christian Walker's first season as a full-time first baseman is 2019. And it's like, that's as 
that's as best you can do replacing a franchise star like Paul Goldschmidt with a guy like Christian Walker who's giving you, what, 80% of the production of Paul Goldschmidt gives you and is only making like a few million a year. So Christian Walker has been so important for this D-backs team the last few years. He's been one of the hardest-hitting um, players in Major League Baseball when you look at some of those advanced stats with the hard contact numbers. And in this series against the Colorado Rockies, I mean, if Christian Walker is not on this D-backs team, I mean, the Rockies probably do sweep the D-backs, Paul, because Christian Walker has four home runs his last three games. I think he has like five home runs his last four games, and he has a home run in every game this series against the Colorado Rockies, which was important because, what was it, game two? Um, he had a home run. Like, a lot of the times you look at – the run scoring for the D-backs this series. Like, if Christian Walker's not getting home runs, the D-backs are not putting runs on the board a lot of times. And so it was huge for Christian Walker to have this power resurgence to put some runs on the uh, on the board for the D-backs. But do I believe this is going to lead to the D-backs getting back on track? I don't know. No offense to the Rockies, but I need to see it at least against a better opponent before I'm like, okay, we took two out of three against the Colorado Rockies. The D-backs are back, baby. Yeah, no, I, I, I can believe that. So... How last time we talked, Millard, and and throughout this season, as we looked, the, the Rockies are now two and seven against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have crushed the Rockies this year, but the second half of the season, especially, has been tough for the yeah. D-backs. What yeah. I mean is it is was this has this latest stretch been just a big reality check for an Arizona team that started the year at? I mean, I I, I remember the title. It was the Diamondbacks are going for the King. I mean, they yeah. were beating the Dodgers. Everything was good. Was but this was still a team that wasn't necessary, you know. And we weren't sitting here at the beginning of the year saying, "Yo, Diamondbacks, this is the year, this is the one." It was kind of like a they might do this. So, is it a is it kind of like a harsh reality check, or is this kind of more a baseball's weird regression back towards the mean sort of thing? Yeah, I want to say it's a little baseball's weird, and also the D backs not fixing some of their weaknesses at the trade deadline because. You know, look, the first half of the season, the D-backs were playing as good as they can. They were quite literally tied in, like, the NL West um, on the day that the All-Star break started. So they were arguably the best team in the division at the All-Star break. Now you look at it post-All-Star break, the D-backs have been, like, the worst team in baseball post-All-Star break. So I find it hard to believe that they could be either the best team in the National League, like they were for the first 90 games, or the worst team in baseball for what they've been the last 50, 60 games. So the D-backs are still probably somewhere in between. I do feel like with what I've seen from them this season, they're probably like an 87-win team, probably like what the Phillies were last season in terms of at least regular season um, success. But I, I, I want to say that if the D-backs had – I thought they had a solid trade deadline, but we knew the rotation didn't have enough depth after the Zach Gallons and the Merrill Kellys. And we knew there were some players in this line that maybe shouldn't be getting everyday looks like a Carson Kelly. And now you look at post-trade deadline, it's like, yeah, the rotation depth has definitely hurt the D-backs. The lack of – Quality bullpen arms to definitely hurt the D-backs. And now you're finally making decisions like, okay, let's cut Carson Kelly. He hasn't been good his whole tenure with the D-backs. Let's finally move on. Some of the moves are a little bit maybe smell desperate because, like, it's a little bit – is it too late? You're finally responding after you've been sucking for the last two months. But I guess better late than never to finally make the changes that will enact a positive change on your D-backs franchise. I just wish they made some of these changes earlier, and I wish we were just a little bit more aggressive either in this past offseason or at the MLB trade deadline to fix some of those issues that every D-backs fan knows that we have with this roster right now. I want to keep exploring that. I want to dive into that. And I kind of want to look at how that impacts the outlook for the rest of the season, especially for the Diamondbacks uh, here a little bit more in segment number two. But from the Rockies perspective, it's 
a wash basically every, every this season is on track to potentially be the worst season statistically in Colorado Rockies history really yeah the, I mean I well they with the one of the if I believe they still have the hardest strength of schedule remaining they are 25 losses away from uh, losing 100 games for the first time in franchise history but at least we can take solace in the fact that this team made moves at the deadline and has really turned to some of their young guys. And we're going to dive into more about the trade deadline and the young guys for both of these teams because I talked about on my first pod, recapping the first, that it's really cool that I think the Rockies and Diamondbacks have a future ahead of them of some really great matchups with some future potential stars in major league baseball. We're going to dive mm-hmm. into that and a whole lot more, but we're going to, we're going to focus here on segment number two, the diamondbacks path this season. And if there's enough time left for them to get to the postseason, we'll talk a little bit about uh, more about the series as well. That just happened here coming up on today's episode of locked on Rockies and locked on diamondbacks. But before we do that, got to tell you about our friends at Nutrafol. Nutrafol, if you're a guy like me, that's worried about their hair and worried about their hairline. Guess what? We got you covered here because you don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your faith or faith. Fate. Oh. All of those. It doesn't have to be your faith either. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. Men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on MLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on MLB. This is the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If your team is the Colorado Rockies or Arizona Diamondbacks, you're in the right spot. So that's what we're doing. We're breaking things down here. Latest series two and seven. The Rockies fall to the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks on the season and I knew the Rockies were going to have their struggles, but I didn't think they were going to struggle against a team like the Diamondbacks. So I wanted to revisit another thing. How have the Diamondbacks continued to separate themselves from the Rockies? And did you see anything in this series that kind of has you like, hey, watch out. The Rockies have some people that uh, are, are going to be making some noise and the Diamondbacks need to keep them on their radar. Um, Maybe. I mean, I always have the respect for like the Elias Diaz's of the world, the Ryan McMahon. I don't know if I'm there yet with the Colorado Rockies core. Maybe you could speak to it a little bit more if you feel a little bit more confident. But this was definitely a series. I mean, whenever you go into Coors Field, especially against a a division rival in any sport, right? You look at football, you look at basketball, like you play those teams more than anyone. You know the ins and outs of those other players, the other coaching staffs uh, more than anyone. So you really have to throw out records a lot of times when you when these two teams face off. Um, and even though the D-backs have like a great record against the Colorado Rockies this season, I mean, this series was a fight against the Colorado Rockies because the Rockies repeatedly got to the D-backs bullpen in this series where it's like, okay, the D-backs kept having to make magic in the seventh or the eighth or the ninth inning, like we saw in game two where the D-backs need to come back really late in that game to uh, win against the Colorado Rockies in the ninth inning. And then you have this game 
the the series finale against the Rockies, where the D-backs take like a three-run lead, and then all of a sudden the bullpen comes in and gives up immediately like four runs right back to the Rockies. So this whole series was very cat and mouse like, where one team takes the lead, then the other team takes the lead, and it was like every game was a slugfest, and whoever threw the last pitch was probably going to win um, this series, which is kind of crazy. And uh, I have a lot of respect for the Rockies whenever we play these series. I do want to see the Rockies get better in the future. Like, how do you feel about the Rockies' future and, like, their current core? Because I feel like the Rockies are always just kind of – I don't know. They're always, like, stuck in no man's land. They always want to improve. But, like, they always say the right things, but then their actions, I feel like, do something different whenever I watch this franchise. You know, I mean, it's it's encouraging by some of the young guys. I think the Rockies have a legit shortstop in Ezekiel Tovar. I think he has been an underrated rookie. I mean, there's been a lot yeah. of really blow-you-away great rookie performances in baseball this year. I'm not over here sitting here saying that Ezekiel Tovar deserves to be the rookie of the year. He just deserves to be in those conversations. He's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. He's really grown as a hitter this year and handled Major League hitting, actually being one of the Rockies' best hitters this year, and has shown maturity uh, above his level. I think Nolan Jones was highlighted in that finale game. He's mm -hmm. got the pop potential, can play a corner outfield spot, has got a cannon of an arm. Brenton Doyle is one of the – on defense, he defensively is the short uh, the center fielder you're looking for to play center field at course field there just seems to be a lot still waiting this I, I, the, the, I, this team strikes out a ton I, I just don't know if any other of other young teams deal with striking out as much as the Rockies do because this is a team that again constantly double digit strikeouts and that includes your veterans you know that includes your Ryan McMahon's your Leas Diaz's and and there and then some but you know it's hard to tell because there's things to like about the young Rockies but the decimation of the starting pitching staff this yeah. year really clouds the where are they completely at right now? Because I don't think the Rockies are as bad as they are this year. If Herman Marquez and Antonio Senzatella play all, you know, the, if they pitch this year and, and, and the Rockies are able to go with the four pitchers that they've been able to turn to in the past, Kyle Freeland's played most of the season. He's had a couple of uh, hiccups there. Austin Gomber's actually been terrific for the Rockies more often than not today. Uh, the, the finale, a little bit of, a, of uh, not what we're used to seeing from Gomber this year. But it does, the, the ceiling doesn't seem very high for a lot of things with the Rockies. But I also think I think it's full of surprise potential. I just don't know. I, it just still seems like the pitching is so – there's so much to figure out there that it kind of clouds and makes you a little less confident in this Rockies team that, like you said, blow for blow with the Diamondbacks in this series. Mm. But – Man, even the pitchers the Rockies could rely on this series struggle or season of struggle. Justin Lawrence has been lights out, but he also has the issues like he has in game two of the series where he blows yeah. a, a multi-run lead, giving up a long ball. And Daniel Bard is not the same pitcher he was anymore. And, and that kind of leads me to a follow-up question as, to, as a team that's dealing with bullpen issues and pitching issues as well. How do you approach extending and signing veteran relievers? I mean, Daniel Bard still has been successful this year but he's mm -hmm. not nearly the Daniel Bard we've seen 2021 and 2022. There's been regression. There's still been some quality, but there's some serious regression. And the Rockies have someone like Brent Suter that they could be looking to extend, who's also been solid. But how much do you buy into extending and, and handling the contracts of, of relief pitching? 
Yeah, I mean, for this D-backs team whose bullpen has been awful, but real quick, Tovar didn't know who he was really before the series. I think he was a guy that really stood out to me just watching him. I just felt like every time he was up to bat, it felt like he was going to do a positive thing, um, go the other way, hit a double up the middle, do something. But, I mean, the D-backs, the last few years, the biggest issue we've had is the ninth inning, the close roll, saving games, shutting down ball games, or even just the seventh, eighth inning, just high leverage moments overall for the D-backs, as we saw in this game with the Miguel Castro of the world, and we've seen in the past with the Mantle Flies and the Scott McGuffs. The D-backs, the last, prior to this past offseason, the last few years, they always targeted these veteran relievers who have closing experience, the Hector Rondones, the Joaquin Sorias, the Tyler Clippers, the Mark Melansons, the Ian Kendys. All that is great on paper because those are all experienced, solid relievers throughout the majority of their career. Their issue is the D-backs like to get those players when they're washed, when they're cooked, when they're near 40 years old, and they're way past their prime. So none of those guys were good when they came to the D-backs. This past offseason, the D-backs kind of flipped their philosophy a little bit. They said, let's get younger in the bullpen. Let's go after guys who... Maybe statistically, when you look at like the peripherals, like ERA, it's not great on paper, but we want to go after guys who we have a philosophy now. We want to go after guys who can throw hard and has high strikeout potential. We'll take a little variance if you can get that one, two, three strikeout that we need in a high leverage moment. So you've seen the D-backs bring in guys like Miguel Castro this season, and Carlos Vargas hasn't really pitched uh, for the D-backs this year, but they did attack more high-velocity flamethrowers uh, in that bullpen this year. And it still hasn't worked out a ton for the D-backs, but I do respect them going after Andrew Chafin, who has been a very reliable career uh, a reliever throughout his career, even though the D-backs traded him this past deadline. I did like a lot of the moves that they make to try to improve this bullpen, but I think at the end of the day, you just have to get proven guys in your bullpen. I don't think you could keep saying, let's take a roll of the dice on this guy who could throw 98. Yes, he has a career five-year rating. Yes, he likes to walk a ton of dudes, but at least he could throw 99 on the radar gun. I'm over that. Yes, I want guys that could throw hard, but most of all, I just want guys that don't walk people, who don't give up base hits when there's runners on, who don't put runners on the bases. I just want people who could come in and just shut down an inning when the D-backs take the lead in the seventh. That's all I want. Once the D-backs can figure that out, I would be very happy. They did acquire Paul Seawald at the deadline. I think that was a great move. Kinkle's been, uh, Kevin Kinkle's been good in the bullpen, but D-backs just need five or six relievers that they could trust. In the first half, their bullpen was trustworthy. It was solid, but in the second half, it's completely fallen apart, and it's going to be another thing that Mike Hazen has to revamp once we get to the offseason because the bullpen, I think, is the biggest issue holding down this team. Um, I think it's been the biggest issue the last few years holding down this team or holding them back. You mentioned uh, that you think that this team, this Diamondbacks team, is about an 87-win team. Does this team mm-hmm. have enough time left in the season to make the postseason? Is this it? Is I mean, it's a how much are they going to be able to hang with the Dodgers and, and steal some wins that they're going to have to do? Because unfortunately, as we sigh and f- just wave the yellow flag, the white flag again here, looks like the, Do- the the Dodgers are running away with the division yet again. Is there enough time for the D-backs to get back into the playoff race? There's enough time for the D-backs to make the postseason. We're waving the white flag on division. That's a wrap. I mean, (laughs) on the season itself, I mean, I feel spiritually we should maybe wave the white flag, but I can't help. After today's win, I look at the standings at the time of us recording, 6, 12 p.m. on Wednesday. The D-backs are two games back of a wild card spot. Have they played like the worst team in baseball post-All-Star break? Yes, they have, but if they just take – they got a four-game series against the San Diego Padres, who they just took two out of three from before playing the Colorado Rockies. If you take three out of four from the Padres and then you won your last two series also against the Padres and Rockies, like you might be 
a game back, a half game back after this next four game series. And it's like, I have to keep watching to see if the D backs make the postseason to see if they get hot because one good week where you win five out of seven games, you have a tremendous chance to make the postseason. It's going to be close with the Cincinnati Reds, the Marlins, like all those teams haven't really been on fire either post all-star break. It's the only reason the D backs have been able to stay in the race because despite them losing, like <laughs> it feels like every game, the Reds and the Marlins have also not been great post-All-Star break, which is the only silver lining as to why the D-backs are still in the postseason race. So even though I don't feel like on paper, this D-backs team probably won't make the postseason because we have a two-month sample size of them just looking absolutely atrocious. But every time I look at the standings, they're within two games. So I can't give up hope yet, Paul Holden. There's still just, just a smidgen, just like 3% chance I still have hope that the D-backs make the postseason. And I want it to happen, even though I feel like it'll probably be pretty undeserving at this point well i mean it's it'll be more just if they pull it off if they come back yeah. from if they bounce back i mean it would make it feel a little bit more deserving and and yeah. more confident at least in the core because maybe you're not thinking a big deep run but at least hey you get to the dance you show up you could be the phillies and end up in the world series that'd be pretty cool but obviously it doesn't fix all the issues but no. say they do solve it say they do make the postseason and no matter how the postseason goes just making it there what does that do for your confidence level in the team and, and their approach to the offseason? Yeah, I mean, making it to the postseason would just be great. Just getting into the dance and building the experience for this D-backs team would be really nice. My biggest issue that I would be afraid of, because I was talking about this on yesterday's podcast, the D-backs have only made the postseason five times since 2001. And 01 and 02 was the only time in their franchise history that they went to the postseason in consecutive years. So if the D-backs did make it to the postseason this year, they could potentially go back to the postseason again next year for only the second time in their franchise history, making it consecutively. So I think getting that playoff experience, every game right now, for the D-backs, being two games back with like 40 games or whatever to play, every game you play right now, every series is going to feel like a playoff series because every win is a must win. So I love the environment that the D-backs are in right now. They could get hot, make the postseason. Like, why would I not want to see a Corbin Carroll, a Zach Allen? Like, I want the postseason so I know – so I know what stuff each player is made of. Is Corbin Carroll a guy who gets better when the lights are bright? Is Zach Allen, Ketel Marte, go up and down the list? Because then you can really decide, okay, maybe that guy's not a core guy that we want going forward. He seemed to shrink in the big moments. He seemed to be a little scared. But a guy like Corbin Carroll, he, he, he turned up in the postseason. He really wore his heart on his sleeve, and he carried this team emotionally um, throughout. So I want to get to the postseason, one, so everyone could build the experience, everyone could be in a playoff winning environment, and then two, so I know who the keepers are, who are going to be the winners for this next cycle of D-backs, hopefully greatness because they've never been able to build a consistent winner. Maybe it's because they kept too many guys who shrunk in the postseason. So I need to make it to the playoffs just so I know who's a winner and who's a loser out here. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a, I, I love that. It's, it, it is. That experience does matter, and, and, and it matters because I talked earlier on this week on my show about you got to beat the Dodgers, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of, they set the, They're the test. They're a perennial postseason team. They're a deep team. They're a, a, a team that's run well from the top down. So if you can beat them, that's a good test. And we're going to dive more into that in the final segment of today's episode. But before we do that, Got to tell you about our friends at Sleeper. And thanks to you guys, Sleeper is rocketing up the charts when it comes to downloads. So you guys have been uh, showing up. And if you had uh, Christian Walker home runs on your Sleeper uh, script this week, your Sleeper lines, mm -hmm. you would have been crushing it. Sleeper is 
the new and fun way to play daily fantasy. You can check it out. See if you see on the screen here, we got the entry slip. You pick your favorite players. You pick some statistical categories. Maybe you think Otani's going to go yard. Maybe you think Christian Walker's going to continue the home run streak. You can pick those and you can continue to pick some players. And all you have to do is just choose two or more players and you get those. And then you can win big and get a hundred times your money with our promo code. Because when you use the promo code locked on at sleeper, you'll get a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. And that is going to help you win big. You can see all about their dynamic payouts and more when you visit sleeper.com. And when you check them out, you can get that a hundred dollar match with you use the promo code locked on terms and conditions do apply see sleepers terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states check out sleeper today this is the locked on rockies locked on diamondbacks crossover event miller to close out part one of our two-part crossover series of excitement who wins the nl west first Colorado Rockies or the Arizona Diamondbacks. What does that mean, Paul? Are you saying just in the in the, the next the first, few years? The next the next time who who is going to take the crown first? We were pumping up the Diamondbacks okay. this year. We were super hyped when we were talking last time. Well, you were and I was in misery and continue to be in misery about my baseball team. But you know, again, Two teams that uh, have very similar stories, very similar, uh, you know, can't make the playoffs a lot in back-to-back years, can't do that type of stuff, haven't won the division. Yeah. When, who who comes out on top first? Is there enough on this D-backs core and D-backs front office to, to, to put them <laughs> way ahead of the Rockies? Well, I don't want to look at the D-backs front office as a reason why I'll pick the <laughs> D-backs in this exercise. I'll ride with the D-backs, but it has nothing to do with the front office. I'll just ride with the players that we already have in the building because even if Mike Hazen doesn't sign another soul, maybe just the internal development from this D-back staff could be enough because we did see the D-backs for at least half a season be in first place in the NL West. And you still got guys. Corbin Carroll's definitely struggled in the second half, but he's shown he has MVP potential written all over him. I think Zach Gallen is going to win the Cy Young Award um, this season. Ketel Marte is having a bounce back season. You saw the kind of work Christian Walker could put in. The D-backs have a whole young, a whole lot of youngsters coming up soon. The Brendan Fox has already been pitching this season, even though he struggled. Jordan Lawler just got promoted this week to AAA, our top prospect. Maybe Drew Jones a couple years will be called up. So I love the D-backs core right now. I don't know too much about the Rockies farm system and how good they are and how we feel about some of their developmental prospects um, being called up in the near future. But the D-backs already have so many of their young guys, so many of their talented players already on the major league level. And there's still another potential wave of youngsters that could come through this D-back system over the next couple of years. Because of that, I'm going to pick the D-backs over the Rockies. I know the Rockies are always in championship or bus mode every single season with the Bud Blacks and the uh, Artie Moreno, not the Artie Moreno, who's the... Uh, Monfort. Dig Monfort, yeah. Artie Miranda was the, the Angels guy. Yeah. I got that one uh, mixed up a little bit. But, yeah, you got Chris Bryant. At least you got a star player. Who's apparently going to play first base now. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> proud of him. Hope, I hope, <laughs> hope it goes well. But I'm going to have to ride with the D-backs in this exercise with the young talent we already have and even the, the older guys, some of the veterans, the Martes and the Christian Walkers, who are really good as well. I think the true test and the real answer to this question would come next year because I don't know if there's a really good way to dive into this without the Rockies actually having some of their starting pitchers back because this Rockies team has been – the starting rotation has been decimated this season. So it's really not been 
all of the Rockies, but the Rockies have a more exciting core than I think uh, others might uh, give them credit for. I think uh, Tovar and 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 uh, like I said, defensively, this team's going to be lights out with potential gold gloves in in a lot of areas. With Brendan Rodgers returning, he had a nice impact on this series as well. I love the Rodgers and Tovar connection. It's just I just don't know if the Rockies right now have enough pop. And as you mentioned, Chris Bryant just continues to be a disappointment with because he's not on the field. I'd love for yeah. him to be able to bounce back and do a Joey Votto, you know, be a cool vet and hit home runs and stuff. But <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm seeing that. So I guess right now, and as we've seen from this season, I can't not pick the Diamondbacks considering the Rockies are the, the doormat of the NL West by a wide margin that just got even wider here. But, you know, just we can to- both take uh, joy in this. The Rockies almost 500 this year against the Padres, and they continue to be a team that, uh, hey, they aren't winning the NL West either there. And I can't, the Giants, if I say anything mean, they'll just go on like a 12-game winning streak, even with this offense that's terrible. So the I just think the Dodgers are such the baseline. And yeah. it's like, if you don't think that you can match up with them if you don't match up in any le- level where the Rockies don't, whether it be front office, whether it be MLB players, whether it's farm system, you just don't know. And, uh, you know, it sounds like the Diamondbacks might have it, but I think both of these teams need to reevaluate a little bit on just how they build that consistently consistency. Like you said, the Dodgers have been doing this for decade, you know, and plus and before. How do the D-backs and the Rockies get there? I don't necessarily know. But we're out of time for today's episode here, Millard. But don't worry. We're going to be breaking down more baseball here as we got another crossover heading your way tomorrow. We're going to go bigger picture, go back to the trade deadline here as well and see if these teams are making the right type of moves. In their situation, we'll also talk a little bit more about the young guys and talk a little bit more about the other teams and maybe who's making the playoffs and who's to watch there because I do have a question about uh, Millard, a baseball focused question about mm. the trade deadline as well that we'll get to but uh i'm paul holden i'm your host of the locked on rockies podcast you can find me at paul holden 33 and the show at lo rockies millard where can they find you and everything that you do my friend follow me on twitter at career thomas 24 for my personal account if you look at the youtube video that we're recording of course follow locked on Diamondbacks on youtube as well on all your podcasting platforms and if you want to follow the show account on twitter and instagram just look up locked on Diamondbacks on there as well Yep, and then your YouTube subscription, best thing you can do to help us, folks. And uh, until next time, this has been Paul Holden and Miller Thomas on the Locked On Podcast Network.